What's up? We want to give thanks to all of our amazing sponsors. Piper Diamonds, your hometown jeweler. Bling, bling at PiperDiamondCo.com. TheCardenasLawGroup.com, your concierge level service, which is for all your personal injury needs. And Compton Broomhead Dental at MunsterDental.com. This is top level luxury dental care. And Finley Volvo Cars of Las Vegas. Safety first since 1927. All right, Kelly Cardenas podcast. Let's go. Perfect. Welcome to the Kelly Cardenas Podcast, where attitude is everything. Uh, my guest on the show today is an example of relationship. And this is one of the things where, uh, for me and my life, what I've told people all the time when I meet them is that I'm going to force people to be their friends and, or be my friend uh, for the rest of their life. And myself and Jamie, we met at a, a, a charity event in Nashville, and I, had, I was kicking myself at the time because... She, uh, her, her and her husband are involved with the Tennessee Titans. Her husband is the general manager of the Tennessee Titans. And she was so gracious to be able to put up on auction a couple of tickets. Well, me and my dad are sitting in the audience. We're watching this happen. And my dad is nudging me because I've been an Oilers fan for, since I was six years old. And he's nudging me as the, the, the uh, auction goes up, up, up. And then... I think, and I pause, and someone else gets them. And then Jamie does something that I, I was mad at her for. She was like, oh, we want to add an extra set of tickets onto this to the person who already bought it. And then I was like, oh, kicking myself. And my dad was like, what's wrong with you, son? Because this, we're in the place. You could have done this and whatever it was. But I stepped over, and I connected, and I said hello to Jamie. And uh, I told her that I was going to force her to be my friend for the rest of her life. And she kind of looked at me, you know, <laughs> like, what, what's wrong with you? Um, but it was amazing because the, the approachable side of you and the connection point that you have with people is so phenomenal. That's why I wanted to have you on the show because, you know, I, I uh, talked with your husband before. He's a, a multi-Super Bowl champion, um, you know, uh, been a part of organizations, built organizations, all those things. But I really believe the real MVP is who we're talking to today, which is Miss Jamie wow. Robinson. So welcome to the show, Jamie. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You're being a little too kind, though. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I think of this all the time. Like they say, it's the old, uh, you know, uh, cliche that behind every great man is an even greater woman. And yeah. I've seen this over time with you. Now, first of all, right off the bat, like I know you were being ushered out of the um, the the charity event, which was uh, PLH, the Peace, Love, and Happiness ride uh, that we do. You were kind of being ushered out of it because, I mean, obviously people clamor for your time, things like that. But you stopped. And took the time. And you could tell when someone's listening to you. You can. And you could tell when somebody, like I just had an experience the other day with somebody who I really hugely respect. And I stopped and I was like, I want to have a conversation. It was a real heart to heart conversation. And I could tell that this person's wife was like, I don't want to talk to this dude. And was like, just eyes everywhere and then just took off. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but you didn't do that. Where does that come from, Jamie? Where does that connectivity and that grounded sense come from with you? My parents, for sure. I was brought up in a really humble, humble house. And they're both very big people, 
people, um, not, I, I won't say people pleasers, but we like people. We like conversation. We love friends. We love to have a good time. I mean, we're from New Orleans. So it's, um, I don't know. I'm, I just, I like people. How, how did the music side, because being there in New Orleans, music is a huge part of the culture. Um, yeah. I, I, I've got a chance to be able to be down in, a, uh, in it a little bit. I used to live in Memphis, um, you know, and we would go down to New Orleans and I did some work down there mm-hmm. too in Old Metairie. Um, and, but talk to the, the aspect of music and how it really, you know, is a part of the culture and then how has it affected oh. you today? So it's amazing. I um, My dad we lived actually south of New Orleans in a small town called Berg um, and literally on the Gulf. And um, my dad used to play swamp pop. So it was all the Cajun music. It was always blaring at our house. And it's just something out of my childhood that I will never forget. And then when you go up to New Orleans and you go to Bourbon Street or just go downtown, you know, I mean, it's it's just everywhere. Um, it was such a phenomenal place to grow up. I truly do miss it, though. But I will say Nashville, Nashville somewhat like it, but on the country music side. So it's and the people here are amazing. It's almost like being home living here. Have you have you fallen all the way in love with the country music side? Or are you a country music fan or are you, you've got, you know, you dabble or where are you at? So John is from here. John is from um, West Tennessee okay. and he's always loved country music. Um, when he, him and I met, I would say I probably knew Garth Brooks and that was about it. So he brought me into country music, but it wasn't until, um, until we moved here that I really fell in love with it. Actually knew, like, I remember one time it was right before a game. I mean, kickoff was about to happen. And I get a text from John that says, Hey, Brett Eldridge wants to come up. Um, do you have tickets? Is there any way you can get them up? And I had to Google who he was. This is, I swear This is the very first season. So I truly, I I, I mean, I didn't know, you know, so it's been a lot of things like that, that it's it's pinch me moments. You and I talked about pinch me moments, pinch me moment, (laughs) I would say. So what, like, obviously, I mean, you've been around now, now, uh, you know, you've been around the elite, like the elite in the NFL, you, you know, you guys were involved with the Patriots organization for years and uh, down in Tampa. And then, you know, you guys were, you guys are there with the Tennessee Titans, I believe the greatest team of all time and the best dynasty of, of all time. Um, But so you're involved with this stuff. Has it, has it become normal to you now? Has it, has it become normal to like, you know, I was talking with your daughter and your daughter's a superhero and Taylor when she, I asked her some of her inspiration, she's like, oh, Derek Henry, and, you know, I saw him, and blah, 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 and she just rolled it off the tongue like she just saw her uncle. Um, yeah. Is it, does it get normal to you, or do you still, like, uh, that's, I mean, I'm seeing some crazy things here. Yeah, you know, it is normal, especially on the football side. Um, I remember when we were with the Patriots, we didn't move up there until, I think John was maybe his 10th, year with them and we lived there for five years but that was 
odd for me being around the players. Um, I don't know. It was just that my eyes were extremely big at that point. You know, now I do have to sit back and go, wow, this is, this is pretty cool. You know, like I love, love, love bringing my friends and their families, especially if they have little boys um, to practices or to games on the sideline, because I do understand that it's not normal, you know? So I love to be able to share my, these gifts with everybody. Well, one of the, one of the, you come to a game after all this COVID is done. (laughs) Well, I'm saying, I'm saying this, like you can shut down anything. You don't need to shut down the NFL. You need to keep the NFL. I mean, NFL is, is, is America. Like we need to, we need to make sure that the NFL is good. Like, they need to let one person in the stands. I could be the one fan because I'll cheer loud enough for the whole time. Um, but one of the big one of the big things that that I've seen in you and that I admire about you, Jamie, and I haven't told you is I was raised with a mom that, for me, she was the strongest woman I've ever seen in my life. And you know, she passed away two years ago, and mm-hmm. she was only sixty two years old. She fell, went to sleep one night and never woke up. And mm-hmm. but she was the strongest woman I had ever met, and. The reason why is because she was strong enough to allow other people to do things, even though she knew she could do them herself. So there was a time where I remember where my parents, you know, were, they went through highs, lows as, as people do in a 40, 50 year marriage. And my mom chose not to work because my dad, she knew that my dad needed to work to feel like he was the man. And, uh-huh. and I saw that strength and, and I don't see that in very many people, but I see it in you. And I not only see it with you, with your husband, but I see it with you, with your, with your daughter and with both of your daughters and your family that you allow them to shine. And, oh. and I think that that takes a huge amount of strength. Where do you think that strength comes from? Because I want us to be able to speak about Taylor because Taylor's a superhero, but your, your youngest daughter too, um, yeah. you know, in, in who she is. And you seem to be the nucleus of that whole unit. Where did you, where did you learn that? You know, it's incredible. Um, people would ask me all the time growing up, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And my comment, all the, a lot of the times was, I want to be a mom. I want, I want to stay home. I want to raise my family. And I give a lot of that credit to my mother because my mom was a stay at home mom. And with all the ball games, with everything that I had, she was able to be there with me. And I just love and respect her. And I just wanted to be like my mom. Um, And with John and his career, um, we, at the beginning, I did work. um, And then Taylor was maybe five months old. um, And we, at the time we were living in Atlanta, and then we moved to Dallas. So at that time, we made the decision to back off my salary and just (laughs) eat very lightly. (laughs) (laughs) not go to restaurants, not, you know, we just made that, that decision right then and there. And God has provided, I mean, there were times like I didn't go to my 10 year class reunion because I couldn't afford to go home, you know, things like that. It's just sacrifices. Um, and then with John, I mean, we, I was 19 whenever I met him wow. and we were, 
about a month into dating and he told me, he was like, this, this is my career. I want to be a football coach. Scouting was never even, he didn't even think about scouting, but he was like, I want to be a football coach. That means long hours. That means moving. And he was like, pretty much gave me the ultimatum, (laughs) you know, you're either on board or, you know, and I'm like, Hey, let's do this. There was something there. There was such a great connection between us. And that's the way, you know, it's just always been. So how long into the relationship does he, do you guys have this conversation? Because this this is a gangster conversation to have like guys out there that are listening, please don't try and have this uh, conversation with your wife. Unless you, unless you are the, like you got to be the man to have this conversation. How, how how far, how far, it wasn't the first date, was it? It wasn't the first date. Cause you got a second date. We were dating for maybe a month, whenever. And And I, again, I was only 19. So I was like, I remember coming home after that first date, though, and telling my mom, I was like, you know, I think I met the man I'm going to marry. And she's like, oh, come on, you know, and I'm like, no, I'm I'm serious. But here's a a quick story for you. Um, My mom met my dad when she was 19. She's from New Zealand, was living in Sydney, Australia. And my dad, I want to say was about 25, 26 in the Navy. Um, He was on leave in Sydney, met my mom three days later. He left. They wrote to each other. She came to the States and they got married. So, I mean, it's like I had that as an example to go on to say, you know, there is a such thing as love at first sight. So, yeah. So let's, let's, let's move it into a next generation. Taylor comes home and says, mom, I met the guy I'm going to marry. Are yeah. you going to have that uh, supportive? <laughs> Cause I know I'm not with my 11 year old daughter, you know, I mean, <laughs> how about that one? Yeah, no, I don't know about that. <laughs> I actually would ask my parents all the time. What would you have said at 19? If I said, I'm just going to live in a strange country. They're like, yeah, no, that the different times, different times. That was always their, their comment to it. <laughs> I, I love the fact that we could get away as parents. We could get away with this is a different time, you know? Yeah. I mean, you, you think about the things that we went through. Like my brother was, I think my brother was uh, seven years old and I was four and a half, five. And he would walk me home from school, babysit me until 930 or nine o'clock at night after entertainment tonight, we would go to bed. And then my mom would wake us up in the morning. My brother at seven years old, seven, actually it was eight because it was the next year. He's eight. I'm five. So I'm in kindergarten. He's in second grade or actually I'm in first grade. He's in third grade. Uh My brother went to my parent teacher conference when he was in third grade. No kidding. Yeah. I mean, you think about like, I think about that now and I'm like, nah, it's just a different time. That's an easy one. What? I mean, so what situations have you dealt with with your daughters that you've had to use that phrase? It's just a different Oh, goodness. Um, well, the the dating thing, I think, right now, Taylor, Taylor's, I mean, she's almost 15, you know, so that was a little, that was a little different for me. And I remember my parents were quite strict on me. And I remember as a kid going, yeah, I'm not going to do this with my, my kids. I'm not going to be strict. But we are, you know, but at the same time, I think we're pretty open minded about things. Um, um, but I don't know, just it is different. It is different. 
It's a tough going one. ride bikes outside. It's like, no, don't, don't go on the street. No, you know, somebody could take you. No, <laughs> we used to, I mean, I used to, again, I lived on the bayou, right? So I used to just go out into the woods and just play in the woods all night or, you know, I don't know. I just, I, there's no way I would let them do that. <laughs> so what message do you give to your daughters as young women? Because like in today's society, a lot of times, and this was, this was an adjustment for me and this might even get me in trouble, but I'm the executive producer of the show. So, I mean, <laughs> I pretty much can't fire myself. I could, but the challenge that I see is I was raised with a woman who would stand in front of a door and look at her two sons like, are you going to open it? Uh-huh, and she would, uh-huh. every door we went to, she would stand in front of the door. She would not enter until her boys open it up. And she she'd let us know, I love you. You guys are my everything. But if I ever see you mistreat a woman, then you're going to have to deal with me. And yeah. she, she demanded to be treated like a lady. Today's situation, a lot of times, that's not taught as much because it's, it's almost like, no, I, you should ha- you should be able to do it on your own. I'm not saying that my daughter's not going to be raised as an independent woman, but I still want her to be treated mm-hmm. like a lady. How are you able to balance that in today's society? You know what? That's one thing that my dad taught me the way he respected my mother and he respected us. Cause I grew up, um, I have an older sister who's seven years older and he was just such a great example. And I've always said, when I get married, I want to marry someone like my dad. And that's exactly what I did. I mean, it was crazy. I think that's why I just fell in love with John so fast. He is such a polite, such a gentleman. And his mom, I mean, she raised him right. <laughs> you know, Um he can iron better than me. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, it's crazy. But I just, um, I just pray that my kids, you know, take take the same approach as I did with my dad. Whenever they find someone, you know. So how do you like? My mom always said this too, and uh, I refer to my mom and my dad a lot because, I mean, honestly, like my mom, uh, most incredible woman I've ever met, um, next to my wife. Uh, now. And so, Good. yes, Come back. yes. Then, then, then there's my pops and I get to hang a lot with my pops. Uh, early on, you met pops too. And pops is pops. No jokes. Now pops was a different dude when we were young though. Pops was like, you know, that, uh, mow the lawn, uh, seven times, you know, on Saturday. So you can't go out and play kind of guy. Like he was that. Okay. Dude, right. Mm-hmm. So being around, I mean, hearing their, their, um, uh, their lessons in life, the hearing these things. Um, what are some of the lessons that your, your parents, that you kind of bucked the system when you were a kid that you're now instilling in your kids? Um, you know, it's, it's really, I try to keep a good balance with the girls. Um, I grew up a whole lot different from the way they are growing up right now. Um, my dad was an electrician for seven and seven. Um, I mean, it's just really different. We grew up in a 1400 square foot home, you know, and, but I try to keep my girls 
humble. I try to keep them like um, balanced, I guess you could say. Like I, Taylor already knows when she turns 15, if she, which I know she is, she's such a good girl, but um, when the time comes to get a car, we're not going to the new car lot. You know, she's going to get that used car just like I did. And I mean, Bailey wanted a certain pair of shoes yesterday. And I was like, sure. I was like, you fork over the money for them. They're, they're yours. And sure enough, she went to her bank and got the money. And, but it's just little things like that, that I don't want them to lose sight of. And I want them to know that you have to earn what you want, you know? So what about some of the, like some of the traumatic things that you, that you've dealt with? I mean, when I say this, they, they've become things that are a part of your fabric of your family. I got a chance to talk to Taylor and it was at eight when she got diagnosed with type one. Am I correct? At 10, rheumatoid arthritis. So she was six, six, six eight, and one. 10, right? Six, yes. eight, and 10. So six, mm-hmm. six type one diabetes, eight rheumatoid arthritis, or no, uh, uh, alopecia, and then 10 rheumatoid arthritis. Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. These are monumental things, not only just for a person, but for a parent of a child that goes through this. Take, yes. take us through that journey of learning about type one and understanding it. And now, I mean, you're right behind you is a, a representation of the support and active uh, activism that you guys are doing with type one. Yes, we. So when she was diagnosed, we literally did not know anybody with type one. I mean, I remember John, whenever she was having all these symptoms, not feeling well on Easter and, he was, he Googled her symptoms right away, popped up type one diabetes. And the symptoms are, um, frequent thirst, frequent urination and weight loss. And that Easter Sunday, it just, I don't know what it was. It was probably because we weren't busy and we were just kind of laying around. Um, we noticed all these things about her and, John was like, we have to call a doctor. And I'm like, well, we can call tomorrow. I'm not, I'm not calling a doctor on Easter Sunday. He needs a day off too, you know? And he's like, no, we got to call a doctor. And um, because in my head, if it is type one, it's going to be there tomorrow, you know? But I didn't know that if you wait too long, actually your child could not be there tomorrow, you know? So that was pretty, um, that was pretty tough. But ironically, what was amazing, across the street lived our best friends. They had, um, they have two daughters, our girl's age, and a son. And they, the dad actually used to, um, he used to host the FI one because his sister grew up with it. And that day, Taylor went up to him before, like we were doing this Easter egg hunt. Um, She went up to him and said, Hey, Mr. Rich, I want to do your race this year. And he was like, sure, Taylor. And don't, you know, fast forward six hours, she was diagnosed with the same disease. So it was, it was a lot of learning about cards, learning that type one and type two have nothing to do, anything to do with each other. Um, It was just, it was being in school all over again. 
you know, I mean, but we did it. We have such an amazing daughter who just, I mean, she may have cried maybe five times to this day about it. You know, it's just, she was a rock star. Absolutely. She was. Well, getting to, getting to uh, speak with her and she was on the podcast, uh, you know, a couple episodes ago and, and I, I, I labeled it like a, a real superhero um, because at six to be diagnosed at six to be, or eight to be diagnosed and at 10 to be diagnosed. And then by the time you're 14 years old, you're an activist for all of them. I mean, this, this is major. Um, it it is absolutely phenomenal, you know, and, but it, it says to the fact of the, the type of parenting and, and the people, um, that you are. So take us through, we're going to do two sides. Number one, take us through the misconceptions of type one. And then I want you to take us through the misconceptions of the NFL, um, from outside, because a lot of times people look at, you know, different aspects of the NFL or they look at type one and they say, Oh, type one. Okay. You got to do this. Okay. That's what it is. And then they look at the NFL and they're like, Oh, that person got traded. Who cares? Oh, I can't believe that organization is so, um, you know, so, uh, cold because they let my guy go, you know? So what would you say is the, the top three misconceptions of type one diabetes first? Um, for type one, um, you can never grow up, grow out of it. I mean, like type two, some people are, can control it with food. You cannot control this with food. Um, another one is you can eat anything you want. I mean, a lot of people are like sugar. She can't have sugar. I'm like, she can have sugar. And what's fascinating about this. And it's one of the things that I take away from what I learned was, Like a lot of times you think you got to get, you have to eat sugar free. Like if you have a candy that's sugar free, you automatically think that that's the one she needs. Well, with type one diabetics, you don't count sugar, you count carbs. So if you look at these sugar free candies, there's more carbs in it than there is sugar. So you would need more insulin for those sugar free candies. That blew my mind whenever I first learned that. It truly did. But I would say that that right there would be the number one misconception about the whole thing is that she um, can't have sugar. Now, granted, she has an extremely healthy diet. And now when she eats sugar, she doesn't feel well. But yeah, you can. So what about like, uh, say NFL, what is mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, because you, you understand NFL from a different side. That's why I said you're the real MVP because you know, there's people who are in it and they're like emotional and you're on the outset. And I see you in Brooklyn, my wife being able to get along really, really well, because as yeah. she says all the time, you may be the head, <laughs> but I'm the neck and I'll turn the head yeah. wherever I need it to go. Right. <laughs> right. That's what my parents raised it with too. So What's the misconceptions from your side? Because I mean, your whole life is affected when there's a trade or say like, you know, say John, uh, you know, goes to work for another organization. That means Taylor, Bailey, you, your whole family is uprooted and go to another place. Yes. And people don't see that on ESPN. No. And what, what is crazy is at the beginning when um, John first started with the Patriots, I can't even tell you the amount of times that people would get mad at me if I didn't root for the saints, 
Like if we would play the Saints, I'll never forget one time somebody actually called me out on it. And I was like, wait a second. The Saints don't put shoes on my baby's feet. No, the Patriots do. I mean, I was blown away. But I'm telling you, that's these Saints fans. They're no joke. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that that doesn't happen anymore because I think people understand that now. Um, but it's definitely different not being a normal fan. Um, I've had people when we lost, I had somebody when we lost to this in the Super Bowl to, I think it was the Eagles. No, no, no. I, to the giants. Um, we played Eli Manning and I had somebody call me while I'm on the bus, having John sit next to me, trying to get a red eye out of town, call me and just, I'm so excited that Eli won and I'm sitting there going, oh my gosh. And there goes our bonus, which we could have really used at the time since I was a newly stay at home mom, you know, I mean, it was just so devastating. It was so devastating. Um, and then as far as like the trades, the, um, contracts, I mean, it's tough. It's really tough. Like right now I'm about to be non-existent on Facebook. I do that every now and then if there's something that's going on with the NFL, because it's really upsetting to me if somebody posts something that's totally ridiculous and I have to bite my tongue because there's no way that I can say anything to anybody, you know, um, it's our livelihood and it's, it's sad. It truly is sad. Um, that I don't know some of the stuff in the media that people believe I'm like, what are you thinking? Well, it's amazing because that like with today's, uh, with today's media too, I mean, it's almost every single person has their own, um, channel, if you will, uh, to be able yes. to spew anything that they want. They don't have to have any facts with it. So coming from the South, okay, now, I again, being around you, you've got this amazing spirit, this loving spirit, mm-hmm. all those, but I experienced the South, and I've experienced the Cajun South. So how, yeah. I, I know it's in there. I know that, <laughs> I know that spice is in there. How are you able, I mean, number one, how are you able to control that? And then tell me a time, tell me a time when it comes out, because I, I never realized it until I moved to Memphis, but mm-hmm. there's that, there's that bless your heart charm, right? Oh, bless your heart. Yeah. And then there's that, that Southern like bang, you know what I mean? Oh, you know, I got a good one for you. you. Know, okay, go. <laughs> so it came out probably our second year here, um, we were at an event and it was actually for the uniform unveiling, I want to say. And we went to a private party. Um, where was it? At the FGL house. And I'm sitting there, I'm waiting for John and I see him. And I see him talking to this, this little chica. And I'm like, and now I'm not a jealous person. I truly am not. I know that things like this, happened. I'm not dumb. He's a good looking guy. Right. So I walk around and I mean, she is, she is just chatting it up and she wouldn't leave. Like she then like got a hold of me and I'm like, 
just leave us alone. So finally, it came out. It came out. Finally, I just said, oh, well, where are your friends? And she's like, oh, over there. And I looked at her and I said, okay, well, you can go see them now. (laughs) I was like, just get away. Get away. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love it. It does it does. Well, one of my friends told me, because uh, I, I said, um, uh, and I, I, I misjudged it, right? Because I had just moved to the South. And I said, uh, I, I referred to her as country. And she was like, I am Southern. She said, but, <laughs> she said, but if you keep calling me country, it's about to come out. <laughs> so she was saying the difference between the, the one and the other. I'm, I'm glad yeah. to, to know that, you know, that those emotions, I mean, I've like, I'm not a jealous guy either at all. Um, <laughs> Although there has been some times where my, my wife, I mean, she's a very beautiful woman. You've met her and we'll be at a place and, and she's very recognizable in our industry. And she's, she's, you know, she's known in that and people will come up and there has been a couple of times where I've been like, look, I mean, you you need to, you need to kick rocks right now. You know what I mean? That's my lady. That's mine. You know? So it just, I mean, there was something about her that I was like, uh, uh, no, no, no. Watch out. <laughs> How long have you known? Because there's that instinct. My, like my wife will go to places and, and my wife will come up to me afterwards. She's not a jealous person either, but she'll come up to me afterwards and be like, you need to steer clear. And I'm like, what are you talking yeah. about? That person is so nice. But you guys have this, like this instinct. When did you notice the instinct? Was it from a very early age? Um, like, cause you know, you know, a woman's motives. Like if you roll into a place, you can like a woman can feel another woman's energy. Guys can't get this. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know. Actually, my friend, me always says that I have such a good intuition that my gut, she's, she always comes to me and she's like, okay, I need advice. What does your gut say? You know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know why. But I do. And that night, I mean, there has been a couple of times to where I was like, okay, this just doesn't sit well with me. Mm-hmm. And now I'll be the first one. I'll go and have some wings with him at Hooters. I don't care, you know, but I mean, there are just some times that you just know it just doesn't feel right. Yeah, we ain't playing that. We ain't playing that. So now what does Jamie do to fill Jamie up? What is the things that, because obviously you're taking care of Bailey, you're taking care of, care of Taylor. You got like 17 dogs. You got the Bouviers. We're going to give them a shout out. Uh, this is a really cool dog. It looks like a bear. Um, you got the dogs. You got some new ones. Um, yeah. you, you got a whole zoo. Um, okay. You got John. Um, you know, you've got all this. What does Jamie do that's not serving any of those people, just serving mm-hmm. Jamie? The one thing that I have learned, because um, I would say within the past couple of years, I have learned that I have to take care of myself um, because I do. I, I mean, I'll tell you, I have anxiety out of the wazoo. And if I start feeling it, I have to check out. And I come in this room and I grab my book and I read. I just, I just read (laughs) until I know that, okay, I feel good. May I have a glass of wine to help with that as well, you know? Um, so reading is my number one outlet. Um, and Lord, I've got to have my girlfriends. (laughs) I just, I have to have my girlfriends around me at all time. Um, and I have some very special ones and I've been very blessed 
throughout all the states that I've lived in that I have a little pocket of them wherever I go. And that was such a big positive to me about us moving is that I got to meet some incredible people. Well, I'm, I'm, there's, there's two points of contention in, a, in, in our friendship. Number one is you get to be around the Titans all the time, right? So that's for me. Now, that comes in second. Now, it generally would only come in first, but it comes in second to Pinewood Kitchen because yeah. I experience Pinewood Kitchen. If you guys, I mean, if you ever get to Nashville, hell, you should take a trip to Nashville just for Pinewood Kitchen. Absolutely. Talk to this friendship and talk to the food because this, I mean, I, honestly, like I, I would even say the Titans are on number three in our, in yeah. our friendship <laughs> because it would be Pinewood Kitchen, then Pinewood Kitchen, and then the uh, Titans because this place is a game changer. It's definitely, I've, you know how they always say God puts you in a place at the right time and when you need somebody in your life and he just knows. And that's what happened with me and um, my friend, me, I know this is going to sound weird, <laughs> but I'm like, how can I say it? Her name is me. Her name is me. She is the chef. She's the brains. She is the heart um, behind that kitchen. And our daughters dance together. Um, and it was just an instant connection. I mean, don't tell our daughters, but one time we actually missed one of their dances because we were still in the dressing room talking. And all of a sudden we walk out and we see the girls all sweaty coming off of the dance on the stage. And we're like, okay, y'all did great. (laughs) You know, but she is, she's gone through a lot. She has a lot of medical issues, um, between celiac, um, her, she had a bowel obstruction as a young baby and, um, Pinewood kitchen is all about clean eating. It's all about allergies because she's been there, done that to where she can't eat at certain restaurants. So she wanted to make it so inclusive for everybody. Um, my youngest has issues with gluten. She has issues with wheat. I mean, um, eggs and dairy. She can go over there and eat all day long and she will not get sick. So it's just a testament to her and, um, what she's about. It's, it's unbelievable the way that she has ran with taking care of people during COVID and, just people in general. But I called her the other day and I was like, look, I was like, I have a friend whose sister's daughter is not doing well. She's having a lot of intestinal issues. And she's like, give her my email address. I'll set up a time to talk to her so we can talk through things. I mean, there's nobody that she won't help. She's incredible. So tell us the concept too, because uh, like I, I was there and we did a ride with PLH and we, she kind of explained it. There's a farm there too, and they bring they they raise the the vegetables on the farm that's like right across the street or right in the basically the kind of parking lot of or wherever it's at. But everything is right there. I mean, yes. yeah, you it's could probably explain it better. It's um, they have a ranch um, that's there. They live. Oh gosh, I can't tell you exactly how many acres, but it's a lot. Um, they have cattle, they have hogs, they have, um, 
just it's pretty much a farm to table you should see did she bring you to their garden the garden is massive absolutely massive and they pick they bring to the store and then she picks her menu she does her menu from what she picks and let me tell you, you want to go there whenever she has a lot of okra because the fried okra there is out of this world, out of this world. <laughs> I tell you, me, me and my pop, uh, you know, we went and, you know, I, I they they kept bringing stuff out. And I don't know if this is how they do it, but we had a large party, so yeah. they just kept bringing things out and you would kind of say, hey, I would like that, I'd like that. I yeah. kept hiding my stuff under my arm and then just raising my hand again. The pie and the cake at the end, seriously, I, I swear, I did this for like three times. And I got caught towards the end, which I felt bad about, but I didn't feel bad because it was so good. Um, but the lady was like, don't you already have? Yes, I do have some. So stop judging me. I just want the food. It was that good. It was, yeah. it was phenomenal. It really, truly is. I mean, and she's about to um, start up a bakery. Oh my gosh, the best bread I have ever had. In fact, I had to stop stop her from bringing it. She used to bring it every weekend. Just bring me a loaf, bring me a loaf. But I had to make her stop because I would eat it like in one sitting. <laughs> it was, it's so good. She's just, it, I don't know. She's just, she has this light around her. She loves everything that she does. She puts her heart and soul into absolutely everything. Now she's, she just put out a cookbook um, and it's all about her life and her recipes. And it's just, she's incredible. She's absolutely incredible. Well, so, and I'll, I'll make sure and put up a link to the book too, because I was, I was going to ask you about that and to be around her too. Like when we, uh, when we did the, uh, the, the party, the virtual party and getting to see her personality, she is hilarious. I mean, y'all have to follow her Instagram. Like, and I mean, it's, she's hysterical between her, the Snapchats that she does with the face filters and, I mean, that's people go to the restaurant so that way they can meet her. She she was laughing about it last night. She was over here. She was like, I need a shirt that says don't hug me because <laughs> people just want to hug her. And with COVID, she can't get sick. I mean, she she has so many autoimmune issues that it could be devastating if she gets sick. Um, so she's at the restaurant with her gloves on, with her mask on, with, you know, she changes her clothes as soon as she gets home. Um but she's, everybody just wants to touch her and just wants to be around her. You know, she's just incredible. So with you guys, you know, getting to talk with you and John about um, you guys' relationship and you guys growing and you guys growing different relationships and being able to be around people like a, like a me. I mean, they say that the law of attraction, right? That you attract the type of person that you are and you, you start to see things that, that are possible. And then once you start to get into that orbit, um, mm-hmm. it, it changes things. Now, what do you say to maybe the couple that's listening right now, the husband or the wife that is in that place where you were saying, like, I couldn't go to my 10th grade reunion or 10, 10 year reunion because we didn't have enough money. Um, yeah. Obviously you're not in that spot right now, but right. I think a lot of people think, Oh, well, everything will just be fine when I get to the point of what Jamie and John are doing now. What advice would you give maybe even to yourself and to John as you're going through that to be able to help you along on the journey? 
what would you have wanted to hear? And what do you think that our audience could hear from you? Because there's more often than not, probably 85% of the audience is probably in that spot where they're saying, I want to get to that trajectory, but, and they think that if they get to it, that everything is perfect. Then what do you say to that? Yeah. You know, we, uh, we have been very blessed. I can't, I can't say enough, you know, it just, I, I don't know how to explain it. John and I, we both were raised humbly. I mean, very identical situations, but he is country. He is complete country. <laughs> tell us, tell us an example of John being country. Oh my gosh. Um, you know, it's so funny. Okay. I don't know if I should say this or not, because I just found out that it's illegal to kill. I have a fly. It's illegal to kill um, woodpeckers, but there has been, is that not true? I don't know. I've never, I've, I've never heard that. Somebody just told me that. Okay. Um, there's a woodpecker, multiple that keeps poking holes in our house. And so right now under my porch are two big BB guns that look like rifles <laughs> and he, he keeps them there. So we have company. I'm like, Taylor had a group of a group of friends over for the fourth and it was boys and girls. They wanted, we have fireworks behind our house. There's a, um, um, a place that does the fireworks and just happens to be right here. And those little boys were sitting at that table and I'm going, Oh my gosh, I forgot to pick up the guns. Oh my God. <laughs> this country. Granted, my dad did do that. My first date too. I went to get my date, came back inside and he had a shotgun sitting along the table. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, that's a good dad right there. So now what, what, what advice would, and honestly, like what advice would you give to a young couple that's, that's working through because you know, so many people think, and this is where I just went live last night and I was talking about so many people are focused on the result, but they're not willing to put the groundwork in and the foundation to be able to get the result. So yeah, you have to, for sure. I mean, we, like I was saying earlier in our beginning, um, I don't know, 10 years of marriage, um, we went without for a lot of times and there were girls trips I couldn't go on. There were, I mean, we went on a date once a month. We saved, we went through the Dave Ramsey program to make sure that we we're on track with everything. We still go by the envelopes. We don't technically have envelopes anymore, but we used to keep envelopes in the fridge with cash in it. And if we wanted to go to dinner, however much was in that envelope would tell us where we're going. You know, it could be Wendy's, <laughs> but it could be Outback, you know. Yeah. Um, so it just, we learned at a young age what we needed to do to get by. Um, I'll never forget one time John came home. He used to have, when we lived, we lived in Atlanta, our first stop, and he bought a Ford F-150. Um, and when we moved to Dallas, and that's whenever we cut everything back, he came home in this little bitty truck. Now he's a big guy and he's in this little bitty truck. And I'm like, what are you doing? You're supposed to go cross country driving in this thing. How are you going to do this? And he was like, well, I figured it'll help that we don't have a car note anymore. 
So as soon as we could, he got rid of the little bitty trucks, you know, but he was in it for a few years and it was something, it was something, but we just, we had faith. We, um, me, as I, I had to be supportive of his career and his job and his lack of being at home. Um, I know, again, it was something that we started when we were young and I had his goals. I felt like his goals were my goals and it was just so exciting. Any, any accomplishment that he did, any accomplishment, you know, that we did together, it's just been unbelievable. And we don't forget those times. We um, try to help our community as best as we can. Um, we truly feel like God has blessed us and has given us these gifts so that way we can share. And that's what we have done. Absolutely. And it's been absolutely amazing. Uh, Ooh, been- sorry. No, that's okay. That's all right. That's all right. That's that Southern coming out. Oh, that's that Southern coming out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. Well, I mean, it, it's so amazing because I mean, you, you, what you guys have been able to do for the different communities that you've been in and, and even with the type one community, I mean, I have a friend who you met Eric and he's, he's, you know, deep in the, in the type one uh, community and you guys are legendary in that, not because of what you got, like what your husband does and what you guys do as a profession, but what you do as people, Yeah, you know, was that, was that, was that ingrained very early on from your parents and from your family that, I mean, cause say for instance with myself, I mean, we didn't grow up with much either. And, and I don't know that my mom was telling me to go out and help the community, you know, yeah. um, there were good people, but uh, where did you learn that from? I, I honestly don't know. In my opinion, it's not necessarily about learning it. It's about having it in your heart from the beginning I, I don't necessarily feel like it's something that you can be taught. Um, my parents were very giving people. Same with John's parents. Um, oh, boy, here come the Bouviers. Yes, the Bears. The oh. Bears. Yes. <laughs> Their dad must be home. He let him out. <laughs> he doesn't know where I'm at. Um, but that's just something that John and I, we – have the same heart and the same philosophy with that. When Taylor was diagnosed, it was pretty remarkable because again, going back to people don't know what you can eat or anything like that. We had a group of friends of ours um, that wanted to feed us, but didn't know what to do. So they actually went to JDRF, the website and was like, what can we do with this type one diabetes um, foundation And there was a walk and they formed a team and they were like, let's call it taste team. So that's how we started with JDRF and it exploded. I mean, the last two years that we were there in Massachusetts, um, we were the top team um, newcomers. We raised 
Goodness, I, I want to say it was over $100,000 within those first two years. I, again, Boston people are very much like Louisiana people. They like to have a good time. So you say, hey, here's a party with wonderful people. They will show up and to fundraise at that. I mean, one of our events, I think we raised over 60 something thousand dollars and it was just it blew our mind. And that's whenever we took it, we're like, you know what? We truly feel like God is giving us this child with this horrible disease for a reason. And we're like, if ever we would get to, here comes the other one. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Ever we get to the point to where we can stand on that platform and raise money and awareness for this disease, we will. And so we that's what we've been doing. So Jamie, what like obviously coming from humble beginnings and like we hear your heart. We hear it's I mean it's phenomenal. Um coming from uh humble beginnings myself, there has been some things that as I've got to the point, I'm like I'm not negotiating that thing. Like I like that thing. Um I like and maybe I'm going to like this is going to make you even seem like a a better even a better person than you are cuz I'm going to show my butt here. There, okay. There's parts that since I've experienced a little bit, I love your dog, by the way, <laughs> since, they love me. since I've experienced a little bit more, let's call it success in my life, there's certain things I'm not willing to negotiate. And so, okay. I grew up with, um, you know, bag cereal. Okay. Grew up with what? Ba- bag cereal, like cereal in okay. a bag, not yeah. the box, the bag. The bag. I know exactly. <clears throat> I don't care how broke I ever get. I don't care if I lose everything. I don't care if I'm on the street. I am going to buy the name brand cereal. Okay. (laughs) Those are some of the comforts. Now, my wife is like, uh, my wife also, humble beginnings, things like that. We've got a chance to be able to experience some really cool stuff. There's some stuff that she ain't willing. Like she, she, I asked her, I said, you know, if, if things go this way, that way, whatever it is, we do a vacation uh, a couple times a year. And our favorite place in the world is, is the Four Seasons in Maui. And mm-hmm. I said, Oh, that's beautiful. Okay. Absolutely. It's the best place in the world. Oh. I want to get sponsored by the Four Seasons. They're going to, they're, oh, they're going to, they're going to be a part of this podcast. We're going to, that, that's actually the shout out right now. Uh, <laughs> stay at the Four Seasons Maui. This is uh, sponsored by Four Seasons. But I asked her, I said, you know, if things, you know, things in life can turn or whatever it is. And I was like, in the event that they do, would you be okay with, with us doing our vacation, but just doing it in a different place? She was like, no, I'll just do it for a smaller amount of time. <laughs> yeah. So what are some of those conveniences yeah. that you have experienced that you ain't, you're like, John, this ain't going away. There's the hotel. That's a huge one. That is a huge one. Um, I'll never forget the first, unfortunately, on the circumstances, um, when we were in Louisiana, John's dad ended up having a quadruple bypass in Memphis. So we were driving through Jackson and we stopped in Jackson at one of those hotels right off the interstate. And I'll never forget looking in that tub and it was the worst thing that I've ever seen. I'm like, Oh my gosh. So yes, I have gotten spoiled with hotels, um, shoes, 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 shoes. (laughs) I do. I mean, it was just, I, 
I did grow up. Um, I went to Catholic school. Um, and my, again, my dad was an electrician. You know, my my parents gave up a lot for me to be able to go to this school. But I do remember being the one of the girls that I didn't have the cool clothes. I didn't have, you know. So it's, um, and I think that's part of it too. I so, truly, truly. So if things go down, John is going to be driving the small truck again while you have them nice shoes and you're driving to a, a, a hotel that is, is gangster. There you yeah. go. There you go. <laughs> I, I believe there's right sacrifices in life. I believe there is. I learned this very early on. I was in Memphis. I was doing a woman's hair. And uh, I, I said to her, um, uh, I asked her if she was getting her highlights done. And she was like, oh, no, I can't afford that. And I was like, wait a second, because I saw her drive up. And I was like, wait a second. You just drove up in a brand new Mercedes, right? Uh-huh. And and then uh, and then during the conversation, she was, uh, you know, later on we went we went on. She was talking about her Mercedes, whatever it was. And then she said, "Oh yeah," blah, blah, blah. and then uh, we had for dinner last night canned asparagus. And I was like, "What?" Like we grew up broke, but yeah. there was no such thing as canned asparagus. I was offended. Oh, we oh. ate it all the time. Okay, but I never <laughs> ate canned asparagus. Like we were, I mean, we were broke, but we had regular asparagus. I said, canned yeah. asparagus, you're driving a Mercedes. She's like, Kelly, how do you think I can afford the Mercedes? So there was priorities, right? Yeah. There was priorities yeah. in life. What things, what other things do you think that, you know, as far as priority wise that you would be like, uh-uh, that's not negotiable at all. Oh goodness. Um, priority wise, I, you know what? I, I'm going back with you on this vacation thing too, because, um, we were not able to go on vacations. Um, we went camping, which I adore, but I mean, you wouldn't think the country boy hates camping. And I'm like, please, I want to camp. I, I mean, I still to this day love to camp. Um, but I want to experience that with my children. I want to be able to bring them to um, different parts of the world to be able to experience that because you don't know there could be a time. I mean, everybody knows the NFL. You just you don't know. And so right now, while we're able to, that's that's been a big thing for us is to be able to bring the kids on on amazing vacations. So what's the thing that you uh, said before you're a parent that you would never do as a parent? Because we're all judgmental before we're parents, right? Yeah. We see kids in the store and we're like, I can't even believe those parents are giving them some candy when they're just yapping all the time. Yeah. What yeah. are those things that you and John were like, we're never going to do that, that you yeah. are now always doing now? You know what? It's not necessarily one thing in particular. I will say that we've always said we wanted the kids to know how we grew up, but also at the same time, I want to be able to provide and to be able to give my children things that I wasn't able to, you know? So it is such a fine line between spoiling and not spoiling. Um, I personally think that my kids or not spoiled. They're definitely not bratty. I can tell you that the little one every now and then, <laughs> but, um, I, th- I want to pat both of us on, on our backs and say, we, I feel like we've done a pretty good job of making them understand. Like for instance, Bailey 
wanted these pair of shoes and I made her pay for them because I'm like, your foot has not stopped growing. I am not spending that money on shoes. So she used her own money, you know, so little things like that. We do make our kids do. Um, yeah. I think it's great. I have four, I have four questions uh, for you. Then my wife asked me these questions and it okay. really, it really made me think. So it's kind of rapid fire and um, she's such a, I mean, I talked about her the other day on a little excerpt. And what I was saying is, is that she's an amplifier of every single person. Like she can find what you're great at and then she can help you to be able to become better at it. Uh-huh. And she has no problem with everyone in the room continuing to ascend because she's so confident in herself. And that's a, a trait that I see in you too. Um, oh, and I, I just think that it's amazing. That's not a normal thing. And I want to celebrate it because there's, there needs to be more people like you guys because mm-hmm. a lot of people are scared for other people to ascend because they think that they're going to be smaller if everyone ascends, which is exactly opposite. Gotcha. Yeah. But these were the questions that she said. Number one, what do you want to be? What do I want to be? Um, I, I mean, honestly, I love who I am. Awesome. I love who I am right now. I don't want to change. Good. Uh, what are you willing to do? Um, I'm, I'm just, you know, there was one, whenever my dad, whenever John started climbing the ladder, um, the one thing that him and I talked about, I I was like, if ever you see me and you feel like I'm getting too big for my britches, I was like, you better bring me down. I was like, and remind me where I came from. I was like, cause that, that was the one thing that scared me. So, um, I feel like I personally stayed that same person. I hope at least. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, honestly, if, if it's not real, Jamie, you fake it really, really, really well. <laughs> like, I mean, my pop, like, I mean, I think my pop had a 10, 15 minute interaction and he still talks about you to this day. Like, and that's been, it's coming up on a year, Yes. you know, it's yeah. been coming up on a year. So, um, what are you willing to release? Um, I'll tell you what I did release is trying to be perfect. I mean, I always had it in my head that I wanted to be this perfect GM's wife or this perfect mother. And I've come to realize that that nobody's perfect. You know, I just, I have to release that, release the anxiety of trying to be perfect. That's awesome. Uh, what are you willing to receive? Hmm. Um, definitely I, I can be a hard person to receive, um, oh, not necessarily opinions, critiques. I am a hard person because I automatically think, oh, I'm getting critiqued. So that means I must be doing something wrong, which goes back to wanting to be perfect. So that's something that I have to try to receive. Um, and John calls me out on it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so be, being a giver like yourself, because, you know, when you talked about me, like, you know, for the people watching this or even the people listening, the people watching saw your demeanor change when you got the ability to be able to promote someone else. When you talked about Taylor, when you talked about Bailey, when you talked about John, your countenance changed completely. <sighs> How? Because 
Now, I have a friend named Julie Compton. She's going to be on the podcast soon. You need to listen to her. This woman is a juggernaut. I mean, she is no joke. She changed my life. Um, How do you teach yourself how to be able to receive gifts, though? Because people like yourself who are constantly blessing every other person, a lot of times have a challenge receiving the gifts that are coming to you. Is that something you have to consciously, consciously work on? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I do, I just, I, I want to, I don't know, like me, for instance, you know, she's constantly coming over here to cook <laughs> and I'm like, you don't have to come to my house to cook. I feel bad. I feel, she was like, yeah, but this is my language of love, you know, or this is my love language. And, and so I sit back and I watch her, but I sit back and watch and I learn. Um, it is. It definitely is hard to receive. My mom's like that. Like you get uncomfortable. It's weird. It's not, you don't, I don't think in negative about it. I very much appreciate everything, but I'm just like, I get fidgety. You know what I mean? It's like, oh my gosh, no, what are you doing? <laughs> so if, if you had like, uh, you know, I, I wish that I had this time, like, uh, I, when I say this, uh, I might get a little emotional on it, but I wish that I had the time. I remember I texted my mom the night before she passed away and, um, we were at Wrigley field and we sent, I sent her a text of the family and, you know, my kids and we went to Wrigley and it was weird because it rained out. Like we didn't even get to see the game, but I sent her a picture of her, us out there and, you know, things like that. And I, I sometimes wish it's okay. I've got it. Now you. <laughs> Excuse me, back there. Oh, you're fine. You're fine. That's a good perspective too. I love the dogs too. By the way, I I never came in touch with the Bouvier before. Uh, one of, well, one of my neighbors has one, and then one of the girls that works with us has them, and uh-huh. they are they're such cool dogs. Oh, I love them. Uh, they're definitely uh, good guard dogs. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> I can imagine. So what I, what I was saying is, is, you know, there's sometimes, and I'm not, I don't live in regret, but there's sometimes where I wish that, you know, I could spend, you know, I would have called my mom that night. Right. Right. And the night, night before that, that we went to Wrigley, I had actually talked to her on the phone quickly, but I was like, oh, can I talk to my pop? Because it was uh, Father's Day. Yeah. But I wish that I could have, had a little bit of time. And now in hindsight, there would have been, you know, I I think on these things in that type of situation, if you had, if it was the last time that you were going to see somebody, right. And you only had three pieces of advice to be able to give, and that was going to be your legacy. What would those three things be? So my dad, it's been three years for me. I don't think you knew that. Mm -hmm. Um, he passed away of pancreatic cancer three years ago. So it's like you're saying, it's still fresh, you know? And I think of him and I think of his legacy and how he touched so many people. I just want to be like my dad, you know? Um, and I, I'm from what I understand, everybody feels like I am. <laughs> he was such a um, people pleaser. He he was such a giver. 
Oh my goodness, such a giver. Um, he loved a good time. And boy, I do too. <laughs> That's where I learned it from. Um, yeah, it's, it's, he was an incredible human. I just want to be like him. You know, that's what I strive to, to be like. Well, well, I appreciate, I appreciate your vulnerability in it. Um, I really do. (laughs) Um, now I, I, I started this podcast for the sole reason of my kids, eight Maddox, 11 McKenna. And the reason why is because I wanted to take iconic people like yourself that have Mm -hmm. seen the mountaintops and be able to humanize you in Mm -hmm. showing my kids that people who get a chance to be around the people that you're around, accomplish the things that you guys have been able to accomplish as a family, do all these things are nothing more than people with great attitudes that are willing to work really, really hard. So if you could look into the camera and use Maddox and McKenna's name, what message would you want to send to Maddox and McKenna? Remind me of their ages again. Eight and 11. Maddox is eight, and he's a cartoon character and plays Fortnite every single uh, minute of the day. I love it. And McKenna is my artiste who I want to come, and she's she's a chef. She wants to be a chef, so I want to get her with me and I'm going to bring her out to Nashville and I want her to be able to experience and see, cause I got a lot of chef friends um, yeah. and I want her to be around it and expose her to a whole different side. So that's, yeah. that's who she is. She's that creative uh, Maddox is the like natural at everything. Um, yeah. You know, basketball, football, baseball, he's amazing. And he's just, I mean, he's a cartoon character. Yeah. So I would, I would definitely tell the both of them, And it's something that my dad used to tell me that it does not matter who you are. Everybody has the same heart. Everybody is the same, is a human and you treat everybody the same. Um, And that's, that's just, that's something he used to tell me all the time from the moment I was, uh, when I was growing up, it just, it, doesn't matter who you are. It, you know, I think that's why John and I go so well together because he's the same exact way. You know, we just, I don't know. People, they, we had people here um, redoing our house and painting our house. And I went out and got them pizza and, drinks and they were floored. They didn't know what to do another. And then, and then another time, my daughter, which absolutely made me so proud. She was like, this is little Bailey. She was like, mom, can we go get Gigi's cupcakes? So that way we can give it to them today. You know, it was like every day they wanted to do something for these men. It was so hot. And like, you know what, we're doing something right because those children aren't looking at them as we are paying them to do something. They're looking at them that they're just doing a job and, you know, you have to be respectful to anybody and everybody. So that's, I would say, would be a big, a big thing for me. 
And that's what I'm a big believer of. Well, I thank you so much. And I thank you, honestly, for being on the show. I've never done this before. I never asked this at the end, but I want you to, what is your most embarrassing, what is your most embarrassing moment since you guys got like, as when you were saying, I need to be a perfect GM's wife, when you, what is your most embarrassing moment that has happened to you during those times? Like where you did something and you were like, ah, like, let me pull that one back. I'm, I'm sure there are many. I can't, I know there's been plenty of times to where I didn't realize who was who or, you know, a player. it's just really hard whenever they don't have their names on their jerseys, you know? Yeah. So I would say that is quite embarrassing when that happens, but um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm sure if Taylor was here, she would be able to tell you every single one of them. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I want to th- I want to thank you so much, Jamie. You are you are absolutely phenomenal. I love having you on the show, and it's such a, a testament to you know number one uh, having enough strength to be able to do whatever it is that you need to do, but also being able to defer that strength when you know somebody else needs to be able to do it. And I think that we need more women like yourself that are that that are such a phenomenal example of a of a wife, of a mother, um, and as a friend. Um, you know, in this world. And I just think that it's incredible. So um, I want to thank you so much for being on the show and we're going to have you again and again and again. I love it. We need to to have you and me together. (gasps) Yes. Let's do it. Okay. That sounds good. Oh oh gosh. Be ready for that one. She, (laughs) she tells me I I help her keep her crazies in. (laughs) I'm, I'm the calm one of the friends. <laughs> well, I, 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 I thank you. I, I truly thank you for loving our family and not because of John being the GM, but just absolutely loving our family and helping us get our story out about Taylor. And that's part of what our goal was um, and is, you know, with all her illnesses. Um, it's just incredible. So thank you. Very much. You got it. There's going to be another 15 second uh, awkwardness here in a second because you won't be able to hear it, but I'll hear it. But if you're listening, subscribe, click the links, do all the things that you need to do. Uh, This episode is now we, we uh, said it was sponsored by the four seasons in Maui. So they need to send that check there, Uh, but it's also sponsored by uh, Piper diamonds, also uh, Compton and Broomhead dental and uh, Cardenas law group. Uh, So we want to thank you guys do all the things you need to do. That's the shameless promotion. We thank you for listening. We'll talk to you soon. You're off the hot seat, Jamie.